0: Thank you for joining the Georgia Chamber podcast. For 105 years, we have been the leading voice of business in the state of Georgia. Through these podcasts, we want to help you better understand the issues facing our state and how your business can grow and prosper. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, go to www.gachamber.com.
1: All right. Good afternoon. I'm Chris Clark, President and CEO of the Georgia Chamber of Commerce. And I want to thank you for joining us for a, another Resiliency and Recovery Roundtable here at the chamber. And before we get into our panel today, I want to give you a couple of updates. We unfortunately have had to move our annual congressional luncheon to a virtual event uh, out of uh, public safety for you. Uh, As well as members of our delegation, we will be hosting Senator David Perdue, Congressman Drew Ferguson, and Congressman Sanford Bishop to talk about recovery and resiliency efforts in D.C. and what they're doing here with the latest CARES Act. That'll be August 11th. You can go online and buy your virtual tickets today, uh, and I hope that you'll be able to join us. We've also made the decision to shift our annual D.C. fly-in. Uh, to a virtual event as well. You can go ahead and mark on your calendars. That will be September 21st through the 24th. And again, we'll uh, be bringing you the latest from uh, not only our delegation, but also from other leaders in Washington on that event. Um, Our next uh, virtual town hall meeting will be this upcoming Tuesday at 11 o'clock with governor Kemp to give us the latest update from his perspective on the virus and the recession response. And then we'll have our next round table next Thursday at one o'clock. And we'll be talking with three of our university presidents about reopening Georgia colleges and what they've done uh, in the spring, as well as what they're going to do and their plans about how they're going to take care of all of our kids when they go back to school, uh, in the, in just a couple of weeks also want to remind you that you can go to our website gachamber.com slash COVID-19 for the latest orders from Governor Kemp, which should be renewed uh, sometime tomorrow, uh, as well as you can access Unified Standards, which is our partnership on training your employees and getting them certified to bring people back into your business safely. So, and I'm also supposed to remind you all to mask up uh, whenever you can uh, and to follow those guidelines for the next few weeks here. So, um, I'm really excited about today's panel because these folks have been on the front line of response for big and small businesses, not just in Georgia, but all over the world. They've also been frontline for making sure that we're protected with all of the new e-commerce that we've all been undergoing here as we've seen e-commerce grow by about 21% here just in the last few months. And so Joining us is Vivian Greentree. She's the Senior Vice President and Head of Global Corporate Citizenship and the President of Fiserv Cares Foundation. She's also, if you couldn't tell, a University of Georgia fan, uh, a Navy veteran, and also I just want to thank her for all the work that Fiserv has done, and she's done to support our veterans out there. Uh, Vivian, we're excited for you to be with us. We've got Dwayne King, uh, Senior Vice President from Fifth Third Bank here in Georgia. He's a Mississippi State guy, but I am excited uh, on his bio it say that he's a big kayak fishermen, which I love to do too. So Dwayne, I think we're gonna have to spend some time offline, talking about how we can get in the boat, and get out there and do some fishing. Uh, We've got Joseph Shuford, who I know all of you guys know with Synovus, uh, has been with us before. He's the Director of Government Guaranteed Lending, and a great double eagle from Georgia Southern. This is, I'm so excited, this is two weeks in a row i've had georgia southern alumni with me and so i feel like the uh, eagle nation's growing uh, and we'll actually have the president of georgia southern with us next week so it'll be three weeks in a row joseph if you'll have to tune back in and lastly is sasha Mercury. Uh, he's the vice president of worldwide operations for global payments a great georgia company that you knew by a couple of other names that have now merged into great corporate and Sasha is a double bulldog too, double dog uh, out there as well. So um, I feel like we're gearing up for college football here pretty soon one way or the other. So guys, again, thank you for being with us. I'd, I'd love for you all to start and I'll give you all, you know, four or five minutes here to talk about your particular business's response during the pandemic. And as we lead in the recession, kind of what's been the focus, the priorities and how you guys have responded, uh, because what we really, we, we use these discussions for best practices, but also for people to learn how different industry sectors and people maybe in their own sectors are responding and continuing to grow the economy during these very uncertain times. So Vivian, I'm going to kick it to you and and let you kick us off.
2: Yeah, Georgia is always leading the pack, so happy to do that. Um, Hi, I'm Vivian Greentree. Thank you so much, Chris and team, for including us in today's discussion on resiliency and recovery here in Georgia I am Pfizer uh, proud to be here and also to be wearing my UGA gear because it is National Intern Day and we're celebrating our interns by wearing our collegiate gear. Uh, so go dogs and if anyone has an intern cohort at your company, please wish them a happy National Intern Day. Pfizer, um, as one of the largest fintechs on the planet, and we like to say the best fintech in the planet, uh, has a special and unique position to move money in a way that truly moves the world and we are living in unprecedented times right now. Uh, decisions that we make together, collaborations between the public and private sectors and the nonprofit sector um, are gonna make the difference for our Main Street merchants and our enterprise clients from Main Street to Wall Street to Peachtree Street. Um, we're all map makers in this journey into the future um, that's you know unknown. And as the head of corporate citizenship at Fiserv, it's not surprising that I would say that business could and should be a force for good, but it is a sentiment that is shared by our CEO, Frank Visignano, who often challenges Team Pfizer to do good while doing well, saying that we have the opportunity and the obligation to use our space and place to create access, to collaborate so that we can innovate and excel together. Um, our Office of Corporate Citizenship ensures that we create both economic and shared value and to match our short-term investments with long-term commitments to sustainable progress because by valuing our associates, our clients and our communities, we know that we're positioning ourselves as a premier employer um, and as a premier business solutions provider in a very competitive market. And as a global leader in FinTech and payments, we help people and businesses move money and information every minute, every second uh, of every day. Our solutions connect financial institutions, corporations, merchants and consumers to each other, millions of times behind the scenes, reliably and securely and we proudly serve clients in more than 100 countries so that their customers, members, and consumers can move money when they need it at the point of thought. Um, as an essential business with a global reach, it, it was vital you know, at the onset of COVID to care for our associates, 10% of whom are essential workers, and uplift communities through our small business and frontline worker support. In reaction to COVID, we immediately began paying our essential workers a premium, enacted physical health and safety protocols to ensure safe working conditions, and have provided over $100,000 in financial grants um, to our own associates who are facing financial hardship related to COVID, in part funded by our CEO and other officers for going their salary. Um, We've always been focused on business beyond the storefront and um, innovating in payments. So when COVID first impacted our business partners, we had some solutions and immediately pivoted to create more. Uh, We began extending COVID relief to our clients, setting up a one-stop shop resource on our Clover website featuring up-to-date information on it, things that mattered to them, you know, access to capital, digital solutions, and checking in on our merchants, providing them options to quickly move to payments without touching cards or devices. Um, there are already more than I think 350,000 PPP loans on accounts processed by Pfizer, representing about $44 billion, and we expect that to grow. And not only are we navigating a global pandemic, but we're in the midst of an incredibly important social change. We support, embrace, and are committed to more diverse and inclusive um, inclusivity at all levels within our company. And we know that recent research points out the disproportionate effect that COVID has had on minority owned businesses, with some estimates saying nearly 40% of minority owned businesses might be shuttered because of COVID. We've committed to a multi million dollar investment into Black and minority businesses as part of our Forward Together commitment which just brings me back to being a a corporate citizen in general, companies can do well by doing good and creating shared values in the communities in which they operate. And, um, you know, as we face challenges and we show up for our associates, our clients and our communities, we will continue to do that uh, with genuine concern, empathy, transparency, ensuring that when we make it through 2020, which we will, we'll come out safer, stronger and smarter together.
1: Thanks, Vivian. And we'll, we'll come back with some questions in just a little bit. Dwayne, tell us about Fifth Third and what you guys have focused on and how things have gone for y'all.
3: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of today's uh, roundtable discussion. And in my role as retail executive, I'm responsible for the uh, sales and servicing operations for 33 financial centers throughout uh, Metro Atlanta and Augusta. And uh, really from a, a retail banking perspective, 2020 has definitely been a year with uh, unique challenges related to COVID-19, which has required us to really rethink how we can you know, really keep our customers at the center of everything we do while keeping the safety of our employees and our customers as our number one priority. And as a precautionary measure, our traditional branches throughout Fifth Third, the footprint we transitioned to a, a drive-through only uh, access mode uh, with the lobbies uh, closed except for appointment only starting in late March through June. And this approach allowed us to really continue servicing our clients with uh, more complicated transactions and making needs within our financial centers on a case by case basis, while routine transactions were really serviced more so through the, uh, the drive through. And during the time our lobbies were closed, we implemented an enhanced customer outreach initiative, which really allowed us to you know, stay connected to our clients by letting them know that we were here and ready to serve them. Uh, at a point in time when they needed us the most. And the client outreach was especially helpful you know, for our small business clients, many of who had, uh, whom had questions about the uh, PPP program. Uh, therefore, we were able to assist them with getting their applications submitted you know, accurately and timely. And overall, I really believe that proactive client outreach initiatives uh, helped us stay connected to our clients. Uh, you know, during these challenging times, which allows us to help customers with their most pressing banking and financial needs, both now and in the future.
1: Thanks, Dwayne. Uh, Joseph, uh, tell us uh, kind of where we are with. Uh, and I appreciate you moving the camera so we can we can, you can represent a little bit better there. So tell us a little bit about what where Synovus has been and where we are today.
4: Yeah, and just to, to echo uh, Dwayne and, and Vivian, thank you very much for allowing me the opportunity to join you today. Um, and this has definitely been a, a year that we will all remember um, being in the financial services business. It is, it's one that we've, we've kind of joked around a little bit that when uh, we're all sitting around the, at retirement parties in the future, we're gonna all remember, remember 2020, what a crazy year that was. And um, so it has been one for the ages. Um, you know, Our main focus has been just serving our customers, but one of the things I'm really proud of that Synovus did at the onset of this was the safety of our team members and taking all decisions uh, being made were um, how can we keep our team members safe um, and, and uh, uh, how can we support those that we are gonna ask. To, as Dwayne said, we've kinda had to, to go to a different model, but for we still had some folks that were still working in our branches. And we're serving our customers face to face and how can we um, take care of them uh, keep them safe but also reward them for the risk that they're taking so I'm very proud of what Synovus did during that time Um, but then at at the end of the day it's about serving our customers communicating with them uh, proactively reaching out to them Um, and the PPP program was obviously just a, a tremendous undertaking for the financial services industry as a whole uh, but as the director of government guarantee lending for Synovus where we, um, in our five-state footprint, uh, it, it was a, a tremendous undertaking for all banks. But I've never been more proud to be a part of a project uh, over the countless hours that, that um, our team put in, um, sometimes 24 hours round the clock, just making sure that we're able to to get our customers um, their money and make sure that they could keep uh, their employees uh, and and to continue to. Um, serve our communities. So um, our main focus has just been on how can we keep our team members safe while at the same time um, maintaining that covenant that we have to our customers of serving them to meeting all their financial needs and doing it um, in a manner with, with, with which we would want to be treated ourselves. So I'm very proud of the company and, and all of our team members that were um, continue to serve our customers during these unprecedented times.
1: Thank you, Joseph. And I think I've said this before on these meetings, but the first call I had when things started to shut down back in, <coughs> I guess it was maybe it was even March, uh, was from your CEO, Kessel Stelling, who said, just so you know, our bank is here 24 hours a day, seven days a week for anything you need or any company in Georgia needs. And we just, we appreciate that that so very much. Uh, Sasha? I mean, gosh, man, I mean, you guys actually went through a merger at the same time. We did. Going through COVID and the pandemic and the recession, and everything else. So so tell us a little bit about how you guys have handled this.
0: No, certainly. Well, first of all, Chris and uh, the Georgia Chamber, thank you so much for uh, hosting us. And thank you to my uh, fellow panelists for your time and insight. I echo much of what they said, and it's, it's really delighting and heartening to hear that we're all thinking about the safety of our team members, but the safety of our environment in the same way. You know, as I've been telling people, we're we're living history right now. There's no modern precedent for what we are enduring. And because of that, and the amount of information that is out there right now, sometimes being disseminated before it's really even understood, we're trying to help ourselves and we're trying to help our customers navigate uncharted waters. And I echo Vivian, we, we will get through this. We will get through it together. But, you know, there's some uncertainty ahead. So by way of introduction, um, Global Payments is a leading pure play technology player in the financial services market in payment technology. Uh, We're not just headquartered in Atlanta. Atlanta is our home and has been our home for 53 years. So the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia are very near and dear to our heart. As Chris mentioned, I am a double dog and uh, Georgia through and through. So my role involves understanding customer sentiment and actioning it between sales, technology and product. And that has become paramount right now because what we have been helping our our customers do domestically and internationally is really rapidly pivot. So when we think about that, in a lot of, we have merchants in several verticals, but many of them in the quick service restaurant group, our group Xenio oversees the technology of wall boards and the back office for most restaurants, including Burger King. And when they needed to quickly offer, to stay in business, to offer solutions where they could provide contactless payments for businesses where pre- presenting your debit card through a window was normalcy right through March, we pivoted quickly and that involved training communication, deployment of technology, and then being on site with them virtually, physically, and definitely available when things did not go exactly right because how often do things truly go to plan given your best intentions? The other piece that we do is we're proactively watching our portfolio. So at any given time, we're watching our customer volumes, we're watching average tickets, and we're watching their competition And what we are doing is proactively reaching out to our customers if we're starting to see a trend. Because the one thing we've noted through this pandemic is that there have actually been yo-yos. It just hasn't been a tremendous dip in volumes. We've seen, based on numbers that are coming from the CDC or sentiments surrounding uh, opening and closures of certain businesses, we've seen transaction volumes going up and down. And with that, we've seen our businesses are merchants having to evolve on an almost constant basis. Helping them through this has been pivotal to their success and frankly ours, since our success is shared. The other piece of it, and the unfortunate is, as we have seen some businesses that have struggled, particularly through April into early June, and we've seen their volumes drop to almost nothing, we have proactively reached out and let them know that the one thing they don't have to worry about are the fees and things that they normally pay to us in regular business. We want them back. We want them to transact. We want them to be successful because we believe the cornerstone of America will always be Main Street and small to medium businesses are in our heart. It's in our our delivery model. And the other piece really is how we interact with our customers. As I mentioned before, we're doing a lot of proactive exchanges with our customers. We'll call them sometimes before they'll call us. And when they do call, we remind them that our sales force and our customer service agents in Indiana, in Utah, uh, in Las Vegas, uh, you know, they're, they're home and they're navigating this new normal as well. And sometimes a phone call will be interrupted by a partner, a pet, or a spouse walking across the room. And... If nothing else, it's really humanized the interaction. Our customers are not just numbers to us and we're not just numbers to our customers. We're in this together. And I feel like we're doing this with natural empathy and we're doing it with transparency. And I I basically end by saying, you know, there's no certainty that things will get easier or harder in the interim. But I think that sessions like this are so valuable because you're getting to see what other businesses are doing I hope that customers of all of ours who are listening to this realize the lengths that we are going to to make them successful because we're in this together. And that finally I end with that we will get through it together and I look forward to that day. Thanks Chris.
1: Thanks Sasha. I appreciate all of you um, in that oversight. There was good lessons um, kind of all through your opening comments. We'll go a couple of questions here and I'll start uh, Vivian with you and then let Sasha jump in on this question but One of the things that we've seen consistently is the expedition acceleration of innovation and technology adoption. One of these um, calls we had the other day we had a A a business in South Georgia who went from doing 0% online retail to almost 80% online retail literally in six weeks, having to figure out all new payment systems, how to do the billing and the shipping and everything. And so I'm curious have you, what have you seen in your industry sector from an acceleration of innovation, you know, new trends, digital experiences, how is this going to change your products in the long run? So Vivian, I'll start with you and then we'll go to Sasha.
2: Yeah, that's, um, you know, a great question. What we've seen with the pandemic um, is forcing consumers who may Previously, been have reluctant to adopt digital to now embrace it, um, just due to limical, limited physical options. At Pfizer, we've seen significant increases in digital adoption, particularly mobile. Um, we've seen very large increases in new mobile user registrations, as well as increased frequency in mobile user logins. Um, so, if someone's had a mobile app for a long time, and maybe hasn't uh, hadn't previously logged in. Or certainly hadn't logged in at the you know the the amount of times now. I mean, just think about how we're all using <laughs> Amazon and um, any mobile apps that had been on there. Consumers are using mobile banking to complete many of the basic, basic, uh, very basic banking transactions like checking balances, definitely paying bills, depositing, making even making transfer transfers between um, person or person-to-person payments we expect to see digital banking adoption uh, and usage continue to grow particularly in the mobile channel as um, consumers segments that you know like generation x um, boomers um, are becoming more comfortable using digital banking services and seeing the convenience that it provides and we expect the digitization of more even complex banking transactions like opening an account online which has traditionally been done Um, in person, applying for mortgages or personal loans, um, and accessing wealth management services. I think all of those will continue to accelerate digital banking adoption and usage. Um, And then even just new digital technologies like artificial intelligence and voice assistance, um, digital kiosks and video uh, customer servicing um, are other digital innovations that I think uh, we'll continue to see more of.
1: That's great, Sasha.
0: No, I echo what uh, Vivian said. I mean, in our business, it's been the fact that it's not just, it's exactly the, the fact that we have merchants who were hesitant to adopt new technologies. Now it's become the only way to do business. And the truth is we've always educated our customers on not just what is, but what's coming. And I think the way that we service our customers and what customer experience means in the future is this will be a moment that we'll see is that pivot where it used to be price and ease of access has is now being accompanied by safety and ability to transact virtually. So as we've done in our uh, quick service restaurant business, we are adopting mobile readers and we are using our global payments integrated business to proactively update our customers apps or install new buttons on their company, on their, Customers websites so that the payment becomes the easiest and most touch-free part of the interaction And additionally, we're coaching our customers where they have physical products to sell on really On really embracing e-commerce that their storefront may become more virtualized in the future that a physical presence is so needed but where e-commerce may have been 5% of our portfolio ten years ago, we expect it to probably be 60 to 80% of our portfolio Oh in, the, in the coming decade, because it's our world's borders are shrinking, but, e- you know, in the same period that fintech reported, you know, we saw volumes for our brick and mortar businesses dropping 25 to 45%. We saw the e-commerce arms of those businesses, to your point, rising 45 to 60%. And as Vivian alluded to, I mean, uh, our public's bill was quickly replaced by Amazon. And I think that, you know, I mean, our garage looked like the shipping and receiving department of a small department store. And uh, I think that that is paving the way for the future in, in many industries, not just the ones we serve.
1: Thank you guys for that. Both of y'all mentioned the customer experience and the customers. I want to switch gears and talk about the customers with Dwayne and Joseph for a minute. You know, we're you guys both worked around the clock to provide those PPPE, was PPP loans uh, in the first round. Uh, we'll see what happens in Congress in the coming weeks, but we're still hearing from small businesses out there that are still struggling, particularly now as we go back in um, to, to somewhat of a shutdown around the country. What advice do you have for those small businesses and Duane, I'll go to you first, um, that are still struggling and looking for resources, looking for support, looking for capital, looking for loans out there? What do you say to those guys?
3: Well, great question. And first I would say it's it's really important to uh, have a a relationship with your banker to get a good feel for what all available options uh, are in terms of uh, qualifications and repayment guidelines, because uh, with the PPP loan in particular, it can be a little confusing. And a few important things to know are regarding the uh, the changes as far as the length of time, which you can use the loan and what the forgiveness process is uh, uh, that's required. Uh, when you get a PPP loan, it also matters that this will determine, you know, when it matures. Some mature in two years, uh, some will mature in five years, and business owners should really use the resources as a, um, such as sba.gov uh, uh, website to really have a clear understanding of what those uh, guidelines are to ensure no confusion as far as the repayment guidelines.
1: So, Wayne, there, there are there's still PPP dollars out there.
3: a few dollars left yes
1: okay all right joseph what about from Sonova's standpoint
4: yeah i agree with dwayne i mean there are many important relationships for a business owner to maintain in order to make sure they're making sound business decisions cpas attorneys and and i would include your banker in that category Uh, the relationship between you and your banker may be more important now than it ever has been um, the environment we're in is very fluid and there are many options swirling around for working capital needs from gov- different government programs. So your banker should be positioning themselves with you as a source of information and funding. In addition to your banker, um, Dwayne mentioned the SBA.gov website. I would also mention the Treasury's website it has a lot of good information um, on the PPP program. And the Federal Reserve website has a lot of good information on it as well for some of the programs available through the Fed. Um, those would include the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, the PPP loan, and the Main Street Lending Program. Um, there's still about a $130 billion out there in PPP funds. So there's plenty of money available. Um, that, that's set to expire August the 8th, um, but there, there's still plenty of funds out.
1: And I know that one of the things we're lobbying for is for Congress to extend that period as well. And so I, th- I feel confident that we'll get that here hopefully in the next week and a half. Um, Sasha and Vivian, you, you guys both made comments about the increase of digital commerce and e-commerce and obviously the shift mm-hmm. there. So it's been fascinating before this ever even started. We'd seen a movement around the world, particularly in the Netherlands and China, uh, this idea of we're, we're gonna become a cashless society, mm-hmm. uh, You know, literally government making that decision. The youth, can you foresee that realistically in the US based upon what's happened over the last five to six months that we've lived through?
0: The ladies go first. Okay. <laughs>
2: um well uh, you know so i would say through through the pandemic um we've you know we've all all of us collectively have kept our clients at the center of our focus so we've helped them better serve their customers by maximizing the value of the services that that we may have already offered like the mobile banking and providing them support to educate their customers on the solutions that their customers may also be using for the first time (coughs) such as the mobile um, remote deposit of checks but we've also, you know, aided them as they have added new ways of doing business, like cashless e-commerce, online. You know, these omni channels. Maybe you pull up and park and buy a designated spot, or you pick up your groceries after um, already ordering them online. Um, with our Clover device, we've launched, you know, online ordering for restaurants, which then encourage the use of, uh, you know, tap um, or swipe. But I think, you know, the fintech industry has largely been focused on that before even COVID started and you know, around that, just around APIs that can connect to pl- you know, platforms between and amongst for speed and efficiency. I think as we do move towards more cashless, there's the increase of, um, increase of awareness of insecurity against fraud um, as mm-hmm. one, because as soon as we're pushing everyone online, there's also the increase of other people looking to do damage. Um, And then, two, with with a mind towards financial inclusion, and realizing that a significant portion of the population is underbanked and unbanked, and how to make sure that as we are moving towards this cashless, you know, safe, safer, um, in a lot of ways for health and safety, uh, but that we're also, you know, not reducing access or opportunity uh, for you know segments of the population, um, just as we're trying to adapt uh, and pivot.
0: You know, I would, I would answer the similarly, but just everyone think of the last time that you use your checkbook. I think we all still have one and there are certain instances where we may have to write one, but I I believe that the cashless society will go largely the way of the checkbook. I think it'll never be a hundred percent, but it will become the majority because exactly as Vivian said, I mean, this pandemic and and just the environment and the, the world being as small as it is, as easy as it is to move money, I mean... You know, Joseph and Dwayne know. I mean, it it's 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 clicks from your pajamas now on your computer to move money anywhere in the world versus how often you would go to the bank. And I think that with we, Vivian, our company is we're governed by PCI and FFIEC, and we are continually innovating on our security infrastructure and ways to avoid fraud and phishing. Because as I say, as we get smarter, so do fraudsters. But um, the, the truth is, it, it makes sense from a security and government standpoint, as well as from an audit trail and everything else. It's just a question of adoption. I mean, will we see it in the next five years? Maybe not, but I, I do think it'll become the majority over time.
1: Okay, well, you heard it here first, everybody. So write that down, hashtag it, get it out there. Uh, so I've got kind of two questions left and I wanna throw it open to, to all of you. But the first one, and Vivian, I go back to a comment you made about the work of Pfizer cares on the minority business community. And I really want to spend a minute on that. You know, that's been a, a focus of ours for quite a while, and we've had some great roundtables lately, but the statistics are quite shocking out there. You, you made this reference. When you looked at businesses that had to temporarily close through the early pandemic, it was 22% of white owned businesses, uh, and it was 44% of uh, black owned businesses in the country. Um, If you look at venture capital in the U.S. right now, uh, Asian-Americans get about 17%, women-owned businesses only get 7%, and uh, Latino and African-American-owned businesses get less than 2% of all the venture capital. If you look at minority startups, uh, they're heavily reliant upon credit card debt versus bank loans. And so I think what we've seen through COVID is is really a spotlight put on this this disparity of opportunity of even getting your businesses started up, even though you'll see more startups from women, Hispanics, uh, and African-Americans than you will from from any other demographic group out there over the next year. So I'm curious, anybody wanna jump in and tell us what you and your company are doing or what you see are ways to help address this issue uh, as we move forward? And I'll open up to to maybe uh, Joseph or Dwayne, if either one of you guys want to start first off.
4: Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, Synovus has um, been recognized for uh, just from the top down, from an executive management standpoint on down. We're a very diverse um, board of directors um, and at the, uh, with the, uh, spotlight being put on the the social challenges that we have going on right now. Um, Sonovas took a very proactive approach with the team members in our communities um, to say, "Hey, you need to engage in your communities. Um, what can you do in your community?" I mean, we're across five states um, and in big big communities like Atlanta, uh, and I live in Statesboro. So, what can you do in Statesboro um, in order to, to help support your community and Just some of the outreach and investments that we've made uh, have totaled well over $100,000 in donations, marketing, um, local market dollars. And and among some of the outreach has been um, 20,000 meals to to help those in our footprint facing food shortages through Feeding America. Uh, We've made contributions to the Phoebe Putney Hospital in Albany, Georgia, which had one of the world's largest um, COVID-19 uh, mortality rates. Um, we've worked with a lot of our local restaurants to donate more than 4,500 meals to frontline and essential workers and provided financial support um, through and to, to nonprofits that provide economic food and social assistance to communities in our footprint. Um, and I'll just give you one example. Um, our, our mortgage company, um, a contributing factor to the success of our mortgage company is the fact that 20% of our sales force is racially diverse. Um, We have been recognized throughout the country as recently as last week uh, as the speaker at the Federal Home Loan Bank of Atlanta that represents thousands of lenders across the southeast because of the diversity of our mortgage company. Um, And we are one of two lenders across the country that were to lead a call on diversity and inclusion through the National Mortgage Association last week as well. So our mortgage company is, has been um, uh, has had a very successful year. And when we drill down to it, it's we have folks that are um, a very socially and, and racially diverse uh, team member base there that, that has um, inroads into our community. So, um, you know, it may not be on the macro level where Synovus, but Synovus has has contributed in a lot of ways, uh, but what can we do with boots on the ground in our communities, uh, reaching out to those organizations that that need assistance right now?
0: You yeah, know, Chris, I would I would add to that. Um, we have the luxury of going to business in a hundred countries, and the truth is, being in that being in that positions means everyone on this phone or everyone on, the, on our audience is a minority somewhere, and. Appreciating that different markets and different people need different things at different times and being mm-hmm. attuned to that is probably the most powerful tool in our arsenal. So, you know, diversity and inclusiveness have become the forefront from our executive leadership team, our ELT. We, um, especially in this pandemic, things that we did in our offices in Manila in the Philippines, where we gave special transportation allowances to get our people out of the city where COVID was raging, or by protecting uh, employee salaries, where our executives took all or a large portion of their compensation and gave it back to the company, Uh, or more importantly, where we've given tools to our I always say caring starts at home, starting with our own families, our own global payments family, to make sure that people have the tools that they need to be successful. And when you permeate that culture, it goes from your customer service to your customers. And I always say you have to meet your customers where they are. You know, as I said, since we're all a minority somewhere, understand helping people understand what the obstacles are, and actually giving them proactive not platitudes but proactive advice very similar to what Dwayne and uh, Joseph did earlier by saying here are resources where you can go sometimes that pinpointed knowledge transfer makes all the difference some of some of our some of the pockets of our community just don't have the access or they don't have the advisors who can point them in that direction and again that's why i say forums like this are so valuable
2: yeah i mean um, this is really a, a time an inflection point for not just the country or not just in Georgia, not just in the country, but globally where the private sector really can be a galvanizing force and can drive this because, and by the way, it's, it's good for the bottom line because in a, you know innovative teams are at their heart diverse um, and they're inclusive because you, you know, you can't innovate and come up with, you know, solutions for problems that we don't even know that we have yet, unless you truly can be vulnerable to the team that you're, presenting and working and ideating with. And so, you know, diversity and the uh, you know, the opposite side of the coin, inclusion and belonging are really what drives successful um, companies. I do think too, when we're thinking about purpose right now and the, and the isolation as a result of COVID, that people really are looking for meaning in the jobs that they do and the companies that provide that ability and don't make them, you know, choose between purpose, passion and, and profit are will be the ones um, that will come up with the solutions of tomorrow and and see those trends that might not have existed before Um, and so when and when we you know as a follow-on to that when we look at the resources especially here in georgia um the structural and systematic ecosystems that to support all small businesses um and especially those who are diverse or women-owned or veteran-owned or disability-owned um and look at how we can support you know the the aggregators that are already doing that work or are poised to do that work like the Russell Center here in Atlanta, or like, you know, uh, venture capital with Collab Capital um, or the Atlanta village market that has a thriving ecosystem uh, curriculum. And and they reach again, not just Atlanta, not just Georgia, not just national, but global. Um, So we have so much to work with right here in our own backyards. Um, You know, there's no reason why Georgia couldn't lead the way and having the private sector lead the way um, for the way forward.
3: Dwayne, any thoughts? No additional thoughts. I, I echo their comments and believe they are spot on.
1: All right. Well, thank you. Well, listen, guys, we've uh, we've taken a lot of your time today, and we really, really appreciate both what you do in your own companies, your investment in the chamber, your investment in Georgia, and around the world. Um, I want to remind those of you that have joined us today that you can find this on YouTube and on our website as well, but also that we'll have Governor Kemp with us on Tuesday at 11 o'clock, uh, and then we'll have our University Roundtable next Thursday at 1 o'clock as well, and we'll have the latest from the Governor's Executive Orders on gachamber.com COVID-19. So, guys, thanks for being with us, and to all of our listeners, we'll see you next week. Thank you all. Thank, Thank you. you very much,
4: Chris. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care.